This, 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 this is mythical. Welcome to Ear Biscuits. I'm Rhett. And I'm Link. Joining us today, not at the round table of dim lighting, but at a table we set up in a hotel suite at VidCon, is British YouTuber, vlogger, and filmmaker, and friend, Charlie McDonald. Charlie was one of the first vloggers in the UK to reach one million subscribers. He's since racked up 2.4 million subs with 290 million video views on his main channel. Charlie is so cool like, that's all one word, Charlie is so cool like. Uh, his channel really took off way back in 2007 after he released a video called How to Be English. In that video, he was 16 years old and that 16 year old Charlie teaches us how to properly enjoy a cup of tea. Here's a clip. I'm going to be showing you the ancient English art that is making a cup of tea. <laughs> Firstly, you will need to get your tea making equipment. This consists of a kettle complete with water, a mug, a teaspoon, Milk, I prefer semi-skimmed milk, sugar, for those of you with a sweet tooth. <laughs> now Charlie's fan base really started growing after that video and of course so did his love of tea. Beyond vlogging, Charlie has written and directed several short films that you can find on his channel. One of them is called The Tea Chronicles, which is a short psychological horror slash comedy <laughs> about tea. Here's a clip from that. You cannot make tea to save your life. Do you know that? I've, I've never, in all of my days, tasted anything so foul. Do you even know what stirring is? Charlie, it was the sugar. Yes, the, the sugar, it was hardly dissolved at all. It was all collected in the bottom of the mug. But, but the milk too. You, you gave me a dollop of whole and I only need a drop of semi. I bet you put the milk in first too, didn't you, you monster? It was, it was so weak. Are you, are you giving me decaf or something? Because I just can't. Hey, it's just... A cup of tea. Charlie is an OG YouTuber who is still continuing to innovate on the platform after all these years. And we've always appreciated his thoughtful approach to everything he does, mm -hmm. including the way he approached this conversation with us. Yeah, um, had a great conversation. We discussed lots of things, including why at the start of his YouTube career, he was scared into deleting a lot of his videos. Uh, we also talked about working with his girlfriend, Emily, who's also a filmmaker, and the quality time they recently spent on a topless beach. Oh. Uh-huh. And we even got a chance to clear the air over a joke we made when we followed his short film on stage at Bufferfest in Toronto last year. Right, and we mm -hmm. talked a little bit uh, at the end about his new show and YouTube channel, Serial Time, so stay tuned for that. But first, we wanna take a moment to mention our sponsor for today's episode, Squarespace. Squarespace is the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. Squarespace features an elegant interface, beautiful templates, and incredible 24-7 customer support. Try Squarespace at squarespace.com and enter offer code RET and LINK at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace, build it beautiful. And now, on to the biscuit. Okay, Charlie, so we've, we're serving you tea. Yeah, of course. And like, it's this is such a pressurized moment. Are you judging that tea? As you're sipping the tea, and I feel like I'm, we're failing. Is that, I don't hotel, know. is that hotel tea? No, we brought like our own little like K-cup thing, and we have like an uh, English breakfast tea. Like literally, oh, we've wow. just served Charlie English breakfast tea. Did you bring the breakfast tea with you? For you, I think. Really? I'm certainly not drinking any of that. I liked, when I came in, you are like, do you want a drink? Do you want water, soda pop, maybe a coffee? You didn't like well, offer Kevin, me tea and I was Kevin like. Kevin didn't offer you tea, but I, because I, I, I think well, you didn't want to you know pander. What? Yeah, yeah. We, we wanted you to make the decision. We knew what decision you would make, <laughs> but it's about empowering you to make your own decision. But we didn't want to push the tea on you. You have your own tea blend. I do, that, yeah. That you sell. I, uh, I make my own tea, it's called Quality, my Quality Blend. It's kind of like a masala chai type of thing. Is quality like a, <laughs> is it? Are you not big on tea or? <laughs> no, actually I love the idea of tea. Yeah. Yep. Um, but I can't make myself like it as much as coffee, currently. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty, pretty big on coffee. Yeah, I, I have a bit of a caffeine intolerance, so like tea is as much caffeine as I can take. Okay. Coffee just kind of sends me a bit mad. Okay. But is qu is quality, a brand name that then you have like the Charlie blend as part of it? 
Yeah, well, my production company is called Quality Productions. Uh, and then I took that and made my own tea. So okay. it's my, my quality I didn't blend. know if it was like Coke, like had like a Charlie soda. But really, Quality is your production company. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. So you're literally just making this tea, like what, out of your basement or something? You've got like a... No, I, a- I have a tea guy. <laughs> um, uh, I actually did a thing with um, with Comic Relief, which is a charity in the UK. Uh-huh. Um, they wanted to do something cool with me, and they suggested going to meet a like a master tea blender, learning about how to blend tea. Uh, and at the end of it, he kind of made a tea based on my kind of like specific tea preferences. And then we, uh, we what are your specific tea preferences? Well, apparently, I like a spicy tea. Okay. Um, and I like it. Well, I kind of wanted a tea that was quite like was was a bit of a treat. Uh, generally, I'll go for what I have here today, which is uh, English breakfast tea with uh, oh. with a bit of milk, uh, semi skimmed here, which I think is half and half here. Uh, okay. so semi skimmed in the UK, sorry. And uh, well, I should say that this tea is is perfectly serviceable. It's it's, <laughs> it's, it's great, uh, and I'm not. You've got such a way with words. <laughs> perfectly serviceable. <laughs> but I don't know how to take that. But with but, a smile okay, on your face, you, I feel you good. You tell me because when it comes to coffee, for instance. There's such a spectrum of coffee, right? And there's a lot of bad coffee on the coffee spectrum. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like most hotel coffee that you're gonna get, most coffee that it's like one of those little coffee makers that's in your room, or like the weird circular coffee filter that you throw in there, or gas station very coffee. Bad, very bad. It's just horrible. It is not serviceable mm-hmm. unless the only service you're trying to give yourself is a caffeine boost. But is, is there a tea the spectrum? same way? I feel like I have a pretty low benchmark for what I kind of like like in my tea. Like tea bags in the UK usually come come from like the the scrapings of the bottom of like the factories. It's just like sort of tea dust, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what I'm used to, and okay. that's kind of like fine for me. Tea I think. dust. Um, for a guy who now sells his own tea, I don't think you should you should uh, toe that line anymore. You got to be like highfalutin, man. Nah, I'm 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 comfortable being honest with my tea preferences, which okay. is that I'm not super picky. When I say this is serviceable, that's like for me that's good. Like <laughs> okay. I I can drink it and I'm enjoying it and that's fine. I'm I'm really am not that picky. But is that master tea blender now manufacturing your tea or did you um sublet that to somebody else to The master tea blender has his own like tea factory, factory thing where he blends the tea and he can make it into bags and do all of that stuff for me. And What and is th- this guy like? Uh, he's lovely. He's very, very smart, very knowledgeable about tea. Like and I made, There's like, a whole video on your channel. Yeah, I made like a three-minute video with him yeah. and it took like two hours to film because I just kept on asking him like really in-depth questions about tea production <laughs> and the, like the different types of tea and like none of that ended up in the video. <laughs> <laughs> it's just in your head, it's in your just, heart. Now. I just wanted to know it for me. And then you've got the short film, uh, The Tea Chronicles, yeah. which by the way, you've got super cool posters. For oh yeah, thank for, like, you. The whole set of your short films, like what, five? Uh, four short films. Four yeah. short films, four, but five posters. No four posters. I want to believe there's five posters. There's four posters, but they're, they're so cool, it's like there's a fifth one. What's confusing is that I... So I got to make uh, the series of short films funded by YouTube, and they wanted me to make five of them, but I they gave, also gave me a deadline, uh, and I was having trouble reaching that. So for the last film, it's kind of like... It's technically five films, because it's like... it's uh, The last film is two... It, it takes place in two parts. So it's like... The last film is twice as long as all the other films, but I split it up into two okay. parts, so I could say I have made five films, but there are only four posters. But one of them is The Tea Chronicles, which I the description is a short psychological horror comedy film about tea. Yep. Uh, <laughs> how, how long was that idea brewing? <laughs> I'm just giving just, a death stare. I'm wondering if you even oh, want to know the answer to really, that question. Really just cracked myself. Yeah, yeah, I want to know the answer. Um, I don't want to acknowledge how he asked, though. It was, a, I guess it was like a, a month or so. So I was living with my friend, uh, Kyan, and he kind of came up with the idea. He's a YouTuber as well. Yeah. Originally, we wanted to sort of just do it as a YouTube sketch. This is before YouTube came to me and said, do you want some money to make some short films? So uh, I had Which, no... that's an interesting... I think a lot of people listening would be like, what, that happens? YouTube can give you money to make stuff? Like yeah. how, how does that work? Uh, it was a program they were doing called the Creator Innovation Program where they were coming to some YouTubers and being like, we can give you a little bit of money to do something cooler on your YouTube channel, something you always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we got an investment through, through the same program to do 
our half hour show, the mythical show, which we mm-hmm. did ten episodes of. So, yeah, that was like what th- three years ago, two years ago now, something. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, oh, you, that's where the money came from. Yeah, um, and then yeah, the idea came from uh, well, yeah, Kyan moved in with me, and he started making me a lot of tea. And uh, I would always offer to make him tea and he would always decline it. And then we kind of talked a bit about that and felt like there was a, an idea for a horror movie in there somewhere. Um, <laughs> we wanted to kind of like throw in a bunch of Alfred Hitchcock references into it. And it was like uh, we wanted to do it as a YouTube sketch. Then YouTube said, do you want to make some short films? And we were writing it and we realized it could probably work as a short film, I guess. It kind of feels like an extended YouTube sketch in a way, the Tea Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's where, where it came from. It was, it was Kyan's idea. And we wrote it together and directed it together as well. I mean, it's... I definitely want to get back to the different things you've been able to do, like the creative bones you've been able to stretch. You don't stretch bones. No, you, you know, stretch, stretch muscles. muscles. If you're stretching bones, it's a problem. I think right. you get, a baby can stretch bones. I think in the UK fully... they stretch bones. That's why I said that. Oh, okay. It's, it's a, a saying. saying yeah. right? Is that a saying in the UK? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's let's go through the whole journey. Because yeah, sure. I mean, you've got you've got quite a track record just on YouTube, like going back basically all the way. But let's go back even further than that. Let's go back to <laughs> the womb, the <laughs> beginning of Charlie, <laughs> the beginning of Charlie. Yeah, well, I don't I don't remember what the womb was like. Um, <laughs> I'm uh, sure it was great. Uh, yeah, well, it was perfectly serviceable. <laughs> uh, I came out just fine. What's uh, that first memory? The womb was perfectly serviceable. <laughs> that should be a T-shirt. It was, one of us has to make that T-shirt. Either you or us. You go. For it, it could you be a tea blend, which yeah sounds kind of <laughs> yeah. perfectly serviceable oh, womb Ooh. tea. Oh no, gosh, no, no. that's no. a horrible idea. Don't help. Ask us to help with marketing. Um, I feel like I can't really remember much of what happened to me before I started YouTube, though. I don't know if you have that kind of same vibe where it feels like oh. there's this like this this kind of wall between like my past YouTube self and my current kind of like YouTube world where I can't. Well, I mean, so your first YouTube videos, I mean, you were what, seventeen? Uh, I was sixteen when I 16? first started. Yeah. Where were you? Where are you from? Uh, I'm from a place called Bath originally. Mm-hmm. Um, which was a, a city founded by the Romans, Acrisulis, as it was originally called. So some natural hot springs there. A really, really pretty place in England, actually. Like, I didn't realize how pretty it was until I moved to London and saw sort of like the grotty side of the city and was like, oh, I actually had a really, really nice uh. place to, to grow up in. Um, so my mum my still lives there, so I go back to see her quite often. Um, There's actually a Bath, North Carolina, is. which is the oldest Outer Banks town in North Carolina, I think, or something uh, like that. That's what I've heard. I guess it was named after your uh, your hometown. I'd assume so. Yeah, because yeah. because my Bath is like yeah thousands and thousands of years old. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I we know <laughs> we know how this works. <laughs> You owned us, and yeah, we're but we're cool now, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, we're not even yeah, going to talk we're, about we're, it. We're, we're, we're cool. not even going to cool. talk about it. So, what is okay? It's a small. We're talking like a like a this quaint villagey place. That's what we like to picture, you know. <laughs> you it, can picture that if you picture want. like women coming out and like oh gosh, you know, hoods and sweeping the the front steps. Is that what it was like? Yeah, it was exactly. Always like fantasy music playing. Um, yeah, and we'd all sort of talk in sort of like incredibly posh accents the whole time as well. I'm sorry, Charlie. I am sorry that we're being this way. <laughs> it's okay. I'm used to it now. Yeah, I know you're used to I've it. Been, I've been the, the British YouTube guy for a long time. Right. I, it's it kind of just so goes what straight did, my what, head. Did, what did you do for fun? What did I do for fun? Uh, well, I did a lot of acting, actually. Like, when I was really young, my, uh, my mum, I, I was a pretty shy kid. I'm still a, a shy guy generally now, but my mum saw how quite how shy I was and she was like I want to put you into acting classes to hopefully make you more confident so I got into doing that um was in a lot of uh, plays growing up when I was younger um, did the acting work though did it did it help the shyness I think um it did to a certain extent more than anything I feel like YouTube was the thing that really kind of boosted my confidence I think I was always a pretty shy guy and I guess that doing acting stuff kind of helped a bit and I also kind of needed that like acting kind of like base, I think, to get into YouTube to feel confident enough to do that. But it's been a pretty slow process for me, I think. But you don't recall it it being laced with anxiety to have to for your mom to kind of push you in out of your comfort zone? No, I never really felt like doing acting was was like going out of my comfort zone. I don't know what it is, but I, I feel like I've always been pretty comfortable kind of like doing like plays and performances. 
um, versus like interacting with humans normally as my actual self. I don't know what it is, but it's like you there's a there's a there's a difference you can make where you can when you're playing a character, which you know I was when I was doing plays and. We all do as well to a certain extent when we're doing like video blogs as well, I think, where we have uh, like, uh, you know, the YouTube persona, which is still pretty close to how I actually am. But it's still, you know, to a certain extent, it's still a performance, you know. So it it feels like, um, I, I don't know what it is about that that makes it just like easier to sort of like talk talk to people and right. talk about things. And um, when you get to kind of like express yourself through a script that you've written instead of just sort of like mumbling thoughts mm -hmm. to someone one-on-one, -on -one, just right. makes it easier. I don't know what it is about that though. What you... You're a very thoughtful guy, you know, you can tell that there's a lot of just analytical thinking that goes into the way that you approach your career and what we see, you know, on the internet. So I have this like image of little Charlie as like this very contemplative little kid who is like kind of a serious kid. Mm -hmm. Is that an incorrect assumption? I think I was pretty serious, I think. But I also wanted to have fun. Like, that's why I started YouTube, is I was very much just, like, bored, and I saw people doing it. Like, I saw video bloggers, like, appearing on the front page of YouTube back when people actually used to get featured. And I was like, I could probably do that. I have just, like, the, the really, like, basic equipment, like a super cheap laptop and, like, a 15-pound webcam. And I thought, yeah, I could I could do that. Which is obviously very different to how it is now. I don't feel like most people can watch, like, you know, Zoella and be like, yeah, I could do that. I could spend, like, a couple of thousand uh -huh. pounds on a on a nice, nice camera and mm -hmm. start doing that. Um, but back then, it was a much like easier to think. I, I could get into this. This this would be fun. But so, but it was all just for fun. I mean, even your acting. Were you thinking I'm gonna I'm gonna be an actor? I'm gonna be an entertainment type thing, or was it I'm just I'm still young and this is just so, I'm just doing this stuff because it's fun. I think um, my more kind of like analytical side probably came as I got older. You know, because I did start YouTubing when I was like 16, so I was still you know I was still pretty young. Um, I never really had like a definite plan for what I wanted to do with my life, mm. even when YouTube was my job. Like okay. it really was just like, here is a fun thing that I like to do. And, oh, I guess it's making me money now. So that's nice. Oh, and, oh, I guess it's making me enough money now that I can move out. So I guess it's my job, but I never really like, it took me quite a while to actually pick what I wanted to do with myself. Like I never consciously said I want to be an entertainer. I was just sort of doing that and it was working for me and that was nice it was only really in like the last few years that I kind of like decided like I you know I've tried a lot of kind of like different like forms of like entertainment like doing music stuff um and doing some filmmaking and I guess doing like acting and things like that and it was only yeah like in the last couple of years that I thought I kind of picked filmmaking as my thing that just like seemed that seemed like the thing I was most passionate about I guess um, having said that, I still do like doing all of the other stuff as well, but mm. I guess now if I was to kind of like pick a focus, it would be that, but it's still like, that's still not my job. Like video blogging is still that thing. But back when you're 16 and you're just, you're, 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 you're watching YouTubers, mm -hmm. like who were the people you were watching that you're like, I'm going to do that. Oh man. Okay. So Caitlin Hill. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hell eighty eight. Yeah. Um. Do you remember Blunty three thousand? <laughs> yes. Was, hold on. That's that's old a puppet. school. No, not he a wasn't a puppet. He wasn't a puppet. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're thinking about there uh, is a puppet. Who was the puppet? The sock with? guy. I can't remember right now. Uh, I don't know why I thought that Blunty was because there was something that sounded oh, like that. Now I know what it was. There was that sock guy on YouTube did a response to Blunty, and that's what got made him big yeah and i can't remember the video or anything about it now but it was a sock puppet responding uh -huh. to him so i never watched blunty i feel like i remember that vaguely blunty. uh who else was that he was just a vlogger he was just a vlogger yeah okay. like renetto you talking about renetto those days? yeah i i didn't i wasn't too into renetto but i did i did was aware of him um but yeah, that, that, those were kind of the people for me how i was like yeah oh, i mean that's like that's that's so that's First floor YouTube. I mean, that's ground floor. I think is. But the if word, we you know? if we go Bohem as well, do you remember Bohem? Oh yes. yeah. yeah, yeah. He was another one. And if we dig back to like your earliest videos, the first video that's still public on your channel, you're referring to how your channel is going to change. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, how many videos are now private? Ooh, uh, probably like twenty or so, I guess. So I had this really weird thing when I first started YouTube, YouTubing where um. 
I was I was on the website for like uh, a month or so, amassed like an audience of like a hundred people. Uh, one of my feature videos was featured on the front page. I went from like a hundred to like four thousand, which mm-hmm. at the time was like, whoa, this is so cool. And the um, front page was like the UK front page, or was it? Global? It was just the UK front page. Okay, then that had just been introduced. So I've gotten featured. I was like getting an audience quite quickly. And then, you know, YouTube had been around for a couple of years already. So there were people who were like right there at the beginning who had spent two years trying to like amass an audience. And then suddenly I'd come in within like a month and like gotten the same amount of, of views as they had. Mm-hmm. And so people were, were pretty pissed. They mm. were like they, they started like accusing YouTube of like featuring people irresponsibly. Um, and there was like a little kind of like mini YouTube drama at the time surrounding me and how I kind of like didn't deserve what I was getting. Um, kind did of headed. You, did you respond to that? Did you did you talk about it publicly? Yeah, my response was that I was too scared of what the internet was was like because I suddenly my computer was talking to me and it was not being nice and I was like <laughs> this is really scary and I don't want to do this anymore. So I deleted all of the videos from my channel and I was like deleted them del- like actually deleted them and I said I don't want to I don't want to do this. Were you thinking about this? Was this a totally solo thing at the time? You know, sixteen year old kid just figuring this out. You know. A- like, did your parents know that this was happening? Were were you talking to any friends about it? Like, or were you just like making all these decisions on your own? Because at sixteen, that's just kind of a, it's a big deal. I was, I was, my mum was aware of what I was doing. Like, as pretty much as soon as I got featured, was when I told her that I was like making stuff on YouTube and it seemed to be going well. Um, but everyone, yeah, I, I was pretty much making those decisions by myself. Um, and it seems like, I don't know, the right decision for a 16-year-old to make if the, you're getting hate online to be like, yeah, I probably should go away from this now. Mm-hmm. So you deleted um, them, and then what? Uh, and then um, it was actually Blunty3000 who made a video being like, there's this kid, and people are being mean to him, so we should probably be nice. And then there was like this this um, Ferrari of all of these uh, other videos being like, we support you, Charlie. And then I put my videos back up, and then I kept making them, and now I'm here. Um, you put them back up. You reposted them. Yeah, but and but since then you've privated them again, right? Yeah, some of the really old stuff has all been privated, um, and then uh, it it just so Why? happens that that chart, like that Charlie changes video, that is like the most recent one up, was just the video that I was kind of like, yeah, this is okay, I guess this seems good enough, and I just left it up. But you, but they're private because you don't like them. Essentially, yeah, they're just like really embarrassing things that yeah. I would prefer people not to say. Yeah, I think every every YouTuber oh, sure. we, who's we, been on the platform for a long through, time goes through and it's like, some... okay. We actually we we found we found we we went back not too long ago, like maybe a year or two ago, and found videos where we had given out our email address so people could <laughs> send us things. So, well, we need to get rid of those. Yeah, like a year it's ago. Like the things that you find when you. Go back. Go back, yeah. So I totally relate to that. Oh, that's how we still get in yeah. on these emails. But the, the um, backing up just a little bit, seeing as your sense of humor and your vibe is very self-deprecating, the fact that you that your name was Charlie is so cool. Like, like how what was what was the idea there? Like when you when you came up with that? I think I wanted to call myself Charlie is cool. And I don't know why, because I was 16 and I thought that that would be a good username. Um, but that was taken. And so I, <laughs> oh, really? I thought I'd go for Charlie is so cool. Because I thought, I, you know, people normally add like numbers at the end of their username if, they, if it's taken. So I'll add words instead to be a bit different. Uh, Charlie is so cool was also taken. So I went for Charlie is so cool like. What are Charlie is cool and Charlie is so cool up to these days? I don't you know. know. We should, have we you should... checked in with those guys? Uh, I haven't spoken to them in a long time. <laughs> and the, I don't and know if they're still posting. I don't know how quickly you introduced the old guy with the voiceover, which we'll play a clip right here. You've just had the almost imponderable joy of watching Charlie is so cool like, which makes you like cool. Who is that guy and when did you start adding him into the end of your videos. Um, so that is Stephen Fry, who is a comedian, mm, writer, yeah. actor in the UK. Um, relatively like big deal in the UK. He's kind yeah. of known as like a national treasure. Um, he's he's a good export too, though. We we know yeah. about yeah. Stephen yeah. Fry. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Um, yeah, Did just, you know that was him from the... I had no idea that was Stephen Fry, but now that you say, say it, it, I'm like, yeah. oh, of course that's Stephen Fry. How, yeah. did you, how did you work that? How early was that? Um, I can't remember exactly when it was. Um, it was like, a, you know, two or three years into YouTubing for me, I guess. Um, I did an interview uh, on this show called Carpool with a guy called Robert Llewellyn. 
um, where he was just like interviewing people that he knew, people he thought were interesting, um, and he did one with me, and then he did one with Stephen Fry immediately afterwards. And I guess Stephen Fry had seen mine, and he spent the like first five minutes of his interview just talking about me. Um, so I sent him a message being like, "That was really nice. Thank you for doing that. Um, my mum wants to have you over for tea. Is that okay?" And he said. Um, well, you can come to the, the recording of one of my uh, TV shows if you like, and we can meet each other then. Um, so I did that. And then afterwards, I sent him an email being like, you up for being in all of my videos for the rest of, <laughs> for the rest of time? Um, and uh, like <laughs> That's with, awesome. within like half an hour, he sent over that little clip with like a few variations for me to pick from. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. So have you stayed in touch? Uh, yeah, I see him every now and then. Um, he still remembers who I am, which is nice. Um, <laughs> as long as you don't forget me, yeah, Stephen Fry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, he's just a super lovely guy. And then your your vlogging career just started to snowball. I think so. Like a million subscribers happened within what the first year. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. To be honest, it's all still a bit of a blur to me. Yeah. Um. But it, it, it happened eventually, and, you know, there was a, a long period where my channel was, like, the most popular one in the, in the UK, which made me feel pretty good at the time. And, um, yeah, I mean, I kind of, like, yeah, had that initial thing of, like, one of my videos getting featured. And then from there, I felt, like, this kind of, like, weird obligation to the people who were watching me. Like, as soon as I had any kind of, like, sizable audience, I was like, I want to keep making videos for these people. I feel like they, I owe it to them. And so I really just, like, tried to keep up the momentum from there. And, like, I had a few videos and things that went viral, but for the most part it was just, like, trying to keep up keep up uploading stuff for a long time. Yeah, where do you think that comes from? Because I, you can you can sense, <clears throat> I think that's one of the things that people really like about you and your fans really like about you is that there's a, you really care. There's, like, a deep sense of care and almost, you just said, an obligation to your fans um, that kind of, finds its way into your the way you present yourself and the way that you think about your content and how you'll make a video about how well, I'm going to change this or I'm going to do this. Where do you think that comes from? Um, I really don't know. I It's always just sort of been a part of me. Like pretty quickly as well after getting featured, I was like, I also feel like I really need to use this platform to do good stuff as well. Like I, I don't know what it was that made me just want to be like, I, I owe this to these people. I have to try and be a good role model now. I have to try and use this platform to like raise money for charity. It just felt like, I don't know, just yeah, you felt have like the a, right thing to do. a high sense of responsibility that yeah. is very obvious in, in everything you do. Well, and there was an association with uh, the Vlogbrothers and Nerdfighteria that I think, uh, you know, that was the vibe that they were certainly developing in terms of like charity work and things like that, that I think, was there a parallel track I feel like they might have been a big inspiration in that. Okay. Like, it's difficult for me to pinpoint exactly what it yeah. could have been. Mm -hmm. But I was definitely, you know, I was a Vlogbrothers fan before I knew either of them. Um, I started in 2007 in, like, April. And they started, I think, at the beginning of 2007 with their initial, like, Vlogbrothers 2.0. Mm -hmm. So, I, um, yeah, I I feel like they've always been kind of, like, very good role models generally um, on, on YouTube. So, I guess there could have been that as, as a factor. Or um, I, I don't know. I like to think I'm just a nice person, and <laughs> and maybe that's where it comes from. But has it ever, you know, has a sense of obligation? Because it, it's such a this is not an easy job. I mean, it's a fun job. We all love doing what we do, but it's not easy. You know, it takes a, a lot of work, and there's a lot of second guessing yourself. There's a lot of doubting yourself and your abilities, and re trying to reinvent yourself and that kind of thing. Um, has it ever gotten to a point where you're like, uh maybe I shouldn't keep doing this. You know, maybe I should try something else. So has, has your sense of responsibility and obligation to your fans ever gotten to a place where it was overwhelming to a point where you might want to stop? I feel like I've definitely felt that before. Yeah. And when I have, I've always tried to think, how can I adapt to my YouTube channel to do something different, to be kind of like challenging myself? Like whenever I get to a point basically where I'm like, where I just feel like I'm doing the same thing over and over again, that's when I start to think, how can I change now? What What is like, and I think part of that comes from just like, you know, because I did start when I was 16, right? My content is always just like, it's. I've been trying to let it grow up with me. So I, I'm trying to kind of like adapt and change it as I, as I go on. Um, so yeah, whenever I do feel like, I don't know, overwhelmed or just like, or just bored, you know, or just feeling like this isn't really interesting to me anymore. I, I, I always come straight to, well, you know, leaving entirely seems pretty drastic and probably unnecessary and if i think about this a bit more there's probably something else i could be doing here to make this uh, more fun for me again 
do you have something that you do that's like your pastime of choice that w in those moments where you feel that way that you're like, okay, I'm gonna go and do this? Because there, there have been times in your career where you might have made like a video a month. You know, mm -hmm. there's been some stretches like that, right? So what, what else are you doing in those times? Playing video games, usually. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, my go-to if I'm feeling sad is to play through Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time if I'm really oh, feeling oh, down. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, That's a good one. It's uh, it's just like that's the like the best nostalgia hit I can possibly give myself is playing through that game, um, and I'm a bit of a control freak as well. Um, I, I'm my guess is that a lot of YouTubers are like this, right? Where you want to be like in complete control of the content that you're making. It's why a lot of us want to do our own thing and not go into TV, is we can we can make yeah. whatever we want to make. Um, and so part of that is like I like going back to a video game that I'm like really familiar with the world, so I can feel like completely in control of it. Um, but uh, yeah, that's what I tend to do if I'm if I need a bit of a mope. But you uh, don't find yourself games. thinking, "Well, this should be another channel, Charlie Gaming <laughs> Channel," and I would just can play uh, Zelda again and again, like every week. It's me playing <laughs> it's it again. Always that. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, I do have the YouTube channel, The Legend of Charlie. Uh, it's ready to go. <laughs> ready but, to go. But as and when I, uh, I, I, my my plan, tentative plan for at some point in my life was to, you know, try out the the whole Let's Play thing. Is this breaking news? Uh, I, it can be if you want, but <laughs> yeah, I also yeah. don't. Let's call like, it. That. I don't know when it's gonna launch, if ever. Uh, okay. Well, so. it's there. You're gonna get some subs, man, just from that. Yeah, maybe. I mean, uh, it 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 is there. It does exist, and I have been considering doing it for for a long time. And I would want to play, you know, any video game there. But no, my, my plan no, would be to like no, try you only and play that one. <laughs> just just the every specific week, Zelda game. all the way through. Now, <laughs> did, did, what did you think about the Adventure of Link? Did you ever play play that the original? There was like the second Nintendo version. Uh, I so that's a bit before my time. I did go back right. to play it, and because uh, have that has that been put out on any sort of like uh, emulator or anything? I feel like you can get it on like the Nintendo Virtual Console, like okay. on the Wii U or whatever. Because if the ironic thing about this conversation is that we have Link here, and he's never played any of these. And there's a there's a game called The Adventure of Link, which was the one that it kind of like that was the first one that I like with a friend like got into. Because mm -hmm. Link, even at the time when Link was my best friend, he still wouldn't play the games with me. So I had to go to Ben's house to play The The Adventure of Link. I had a friend named Link, <laughs> and I'm going to Ben's house to play The Adventure Listen, of Link. Man. I, when you're living the adventure of Link, <laughs> oh, okay. why play it? Oh, wow. But that one. And if I would have said that at the time, yeah. I would have probably been uh, cooler yeah. than I was. Yeah. Is that, to your is, point. is that your nostalgia hit then? Is that the one you go back to? Well, I don't because I did. Because I guess it would be on an emulator somewhere, but I haven't gone back right, to do right. it. But because even, even those, it just. It, even like the original Legend of Zelda still would take too much time for, mm -hmm. for me. At this, at this point, you know. Uh, like my my son actually got uh, Ocarina of Time and started trying to play through that, and he got a little. He he still has it, but he's gotten a little discouraged. Bogged down. He got a little bogged down. Yeah, I yeah. think it's there's a bog hard, in it, it, right? There is a literal bog that Link sure, can I'm get sure there's bogged. Some bogs. There's probably a bog in there. So it's more about you know sort of vicariously watching him right, right. at this point. We want to break in here right quick just to mention our sponsor who helped make this Ear Biscuit possible, Squarespace. Building a website can be tough and even if you do know your way around coding, creating something that looks good and works well is a time consuming affair. Whether it's for a business site, a portfolio, a restaurant, whatever else, you need a website. Even if it's just for yourself and your amazing exploits in life, like that time you did that tandem skydiving and you want to make a website about that experience. I mean, don't do that. But you probably you do most people need a website. You need one. And lucky for you and all of us, Squarespace makes it easy to build beautiful websites without breaking a sweat. Squarespace provides simple, powerful, and beautiful websites that look professionally designed regardless of skill level. No coding required. Not only does Squarespace provide you with an intuitive and easy to use set of tools to create your website with, Squarespace also has state-of-the-art technology powering your site to ensure security and stability. For all of these reasons, we are currently redesigning our site, retinlink.com, yes. using Squarespace. We're really excited about it, it's looking great, and you heard about it here first. Yes, you did. You can't beat the ease and simplicity of Squarespace. Squarespace gives you 24-7 online support and a beautiful website for only $8 a month. You can even get a free domain if you buy Squarespace for the year. So 
What are you waiting for? Start a free trial with Squarespace, no credit card required, and start building your website today. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure you use our offer code, okay? That's Rhett and Link to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for Ear Biscuits. We thank Squarespace for their support of Ears (laughs) Ears Biscuits. (laughs) Yeah, Ear Biscuits. Squarespace, build it beautiful. Well, since we've... um, talked about video games, we should probably also talk about religion. Okay. Um, <laughs> so in your- Are you sure? I can I can keep talking about Zelda for the rest of the podcast if you like. Uh, depends where you wanna go. <laughs> so on, on Wiki, uh, it says that you identify as an atheist. Mm-hmm. And have you vlogged about this or is this like just s- something separate? I mean, it's really like not a very important part of my life, to be honest. Mm-hmm. It, it is like, I feel like um, when I started thinking about um, like religion in that way, and I was like, "Yeah, I guess I am an atheist." Then it kind of it did become a big part of my personality for a bit, and I feel like I probably talked about it. I, I've talked about it in like um, like second channel videos a bit, and really nowadays it's like something that doesn't really factor into kind so of like f- my personality at all. Yeah. I get it, but you. So you, I, I guess my interest is in that in the in the U.S., atheism is still pretty stigmatized. Mm-hmm. I, but yeah, I don't want to well, say demonized, but because you maybe. have to like, if you're an atheist in the U.S., it's like you kind of have to. You can't just be like, "Oh, this I'm an atheist, and this isn't a big thing to me," because then you because you immediately have to defend it, right? Yeah, uh, and it, it is it's like a bigger deal. Yeah, and but it really, kind of seems like, like in the U.K. it's kind of like, okay, yeah, that, it's oh, that's what you think about that. That's cool. I think the best way to to sum it up is like in the U.S. on a ten dollar bill, there are the words "In God We Trust" written on it, and in the U.K. we have a picture of Charles Darwin. It's like <laughs> it's really like not like big of a deal, at right? Point. And yeah. if we had Darwin on uh, any you know, currency in the well, that would be there would it would never happen. It, you know, it wouldn't mm-hmm. happen anytime yeah, soon. Exactly, but he is on the South Carolina flag, and that is Darwin. That is Darwin. So confused right now. Um, yeah, but that's yeah. what I, I that's what I was interested in exploring was not what like calling you on the carpet. Like, mm-hmm. okay, so why why don't you believe in God? Yeah, but more of the that cultural uh, idea of you just finding yourself. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, f- realizing that you're an atheist because it's just something that is just you're not called on the carpet for it's just, that's the culture. I think so. That's how everybody it feels, in anyway. the UK is an atheist. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far, but I, I think that a lot of people in the UK wouldn't kind of like they might identify as being religious, but it's not even that isn't necessarily like a big part of their lives. Like they might not go to church. They might just kind of like be almost just like spiritual people who just think, yeah, there probably is a God. And that's kind of sometimes as far as they go. Obviously, there is, you know, religion in the UK and it is a big thing for a lot of people. But um, I guess for me growing up, it, it never really felt like that. Um, and so, yeah, as soon as I realized, yeah, I probably don't believe in God, then it was like, OK, that's that's a thing about me that I know now. What's what's next? Yeah. How old were you when you started thinking about those things? Um, I must have been must have been around the time that I was like um, starting around YouTube. I think I think I was okay. kind of like uh, agnostic for like the first couple of years that I was like making videos, um, and then yeah, that's pretty soon after that. I was and like, Steve, yeah. Stephen Fry is a pretty well spoken. He he kind of talks about these issues quite a bit. Did he influence you in, in thinking about those things? Is that were you a fan of his at the time? Um, I think I was a fan of his. Yeah. Um, although I don't know if it was him specifically. Um, like, like you said, I feel like it's because there are a lot of kind of like prominent atheists, I guess, in the UK, um, people that I admired and, uh, you know, found out that that was something about them. So that probably kind of got me thinking about it. Although I did, you know, I spent a lot of my teenage years kind of like not wanting to go either way with it, really just kind of wanting to, it's kind of my default position in life whenever I can is just to kind of sit on the fence, um, (laughs) unless I, uh, yeah, kind of like feel confident enough to say something kind of new about myself. But, but there's no... There's no impulse to say to make this a part of your sort of public identity in a way that like I'm going to, you know because there are plenty of YouTubers who are like okay that's the atheist YouTuber yeah their their mission is kind of to break down religious constructs kind of expose them and and that kind of thing there's no impulse to get involved with that I tell you what's more important to me is I like you know I I'm a big fan of critical thinking um and I'm a big fan of fan of like science. So I talk about those things on my YouTube channel and Mm -hmm. I have a kind of like a series dedicated to talking about science, but it doesn't really feel like a worthwhile thing to me to be like, I want to talk about atheism. It just feels like, I don't know, it feels like a certain like conflict that is not really fun to get into a lot of the time. 
Um, I, I like to talk about the things that I kind of believe in that I think are like important to me, which a lot of that is like critical thinking in science. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like if there's any kind of like spiritual part of me, it comes from like hearing about amazing things from the universe. So that's kind of the thing I want to like impart right. to people if there's anything. You know, I want to look at the positive side of like the things that I do believe in. And what's right. that series called? I can't. I I know that I watched a few of these. Uh, fun science. Fun science. Yeah. Which you've you've tackled different topics, including what? Um, what have I done? I did. The first one was on the moon. I did one on light. One on sound. Uh, I've done one so on like a year Saturn and a half ago. As well, I seem to remember. Yeah, it's, and I've been like wanting to kind of come back to it for a long time. Uh, as well although i i kind of feel like it's one of those ideas where if i did come back to it i'd want to do it as a, like a more produced kind of thing uh-huh. i kind of would want to do it like like a kind of show on my youtube channel um as opposed to how it was before where it was just like i do a video blog and it's called fun science and i'll talk about science sciencey things now um i'd like to see if i if i could do it again how i could turn it into like a bigger thing mm-hmm is uh, stargazing and breast gazing one of those? I don't think it was. That was just a vlog. Uh, no, that was just uh, that was me off in uh, Gran Canaria where we went stargazing on the holiday at some point, and also a lot of women had their breasts out. Uh, so, <laughs> well, let's talk about that. <laughs> sure. So, so this is a topless beach. Uh, no, it was just a beach. Just, just, just many beaches that I would go to there, and it'd be like, oh. You just got your top off, I guess. Welcome to Europe. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, where is the beach? Uh, it was uh, on an island called Gran Canaria in the Canary Islands. Okay. And what's your interaction with uh, those? What, with breasts? Boobs. What do you mean, just you, Were you there with your girlfriend? <laughs> I was there what? with my girlfriend, yeah. What, what's her name? Emily. Emily. Um, and Emily's a filmmaker. Uh, yeah, she is. You, uh, you talk on your channel about her, um, her film, Cold. Mm-hmm. Which it certainly looked that way. Yeah. <laughs> and so you were there. What, what was your role in shooting your short film? And then I'll come back to how you interacted with her with all the boobs on the beach. Yeah, we'll come back to the important let's stuff. Yeah, let's <laughs> come back to that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, that was uh, Emily's had, a, had that film funded by New Form Digital. Yeah. Been funding lots of people to make short films recently to hopefully get turned into, into series. Um, did, did she, she direct wrote and directed it she wrote and directed that movie and um what did you do uh i edited it but she so she was producing your early short films um yeah so she produced uh offline for me um as well that's actually how we met before we were kind of like yeah a couple is she she made a film for me which was very nice of her and you're <laughs> um, like i want you to keep doing this but instead of paying you i'm just gonna be your boyfriend <laughs> <laughs> no not quite like that okay um <laughs> But uh, yeah, she she yeah did uh, my subsequent films after that, Strangers in a Bed, uh, and Our Brother. She produced uh, both of those, and so when the new form digital thing came around, it was very much just like it's it's your turn to make a movie this time. And also, uh, I don't know how to produce a film. That's not something I'm good at. So um, I want to be involved in a key role if I can. And so she asked me to edit it, um, as I've edited like a lot of my my own short films as yeah. well. So it's something I had experience doing, and that was that was really fun actually. Like I've never yet, had, I, like it was the first time I had that experience of like making a film that wasn't mine, right? Like not, I, you know, it comes back to this kind of like being a control think- freak kind yeah, of thing yeah. where I felt like I needed to be writing and directing my own movies in order to feel like I was like being cr- creatively fulfilled. Hmm. But so long as I'm working on something that I think is great, right? You don't know, like, and I, you know, obviously editing is like a big role and you get to make a lot of cool creative co- choices. But I was ultimately not the person in control completely. But I trusted Emily and I thought the film was going to be good. So I still got a lot out of the experience of doing and, that. And what was that process like? I mean, in being in a relationship but working on a project together, I mean, A, that can be stressful mm-hmm. depending on the dynamic in the relationship. But then taking someone's vision and editing it, I mean, surely this led to some arguments of some <laughs> You're not a very argumentative guy, so you might be about to say we didn't argue at all, but what really happened? I'll, I'll try and think and see if there are any instances where we did argue, <laughs> but I honestly, it just sort of didn't happen. I feel like, I don't know what it is about mine and Emily's relationship, but we are just very, very good at just like flipping the switch and being like, okay, we're in work mode now, and now we're in relationship mode. And so she didn't get mad at you when you were staring at the boobs? <laughs> Breast gazing. We were both staring, you know? Yeah, right. They I were mean, there and, just uh, in the world, and we thought, well, there, there they are. It's hard to take your eyes off sometimes when they're when they're there. Um, <laughs> lots of different sizes and shapes, and you know, I I think in that video I talked about a bit about like you know confidence and 
how I wished and I was comfortable enough to, you know, share right. my share my breasts with the world. Um, what were we talking about? The short <laughs> film, or, yeah. Well, the the, the relationship. So oh, yeah. okay, so if, if you're if you don't find yourself, uh, if there's not a lot of conflict in working together, uh, how do you guys handle conflict in your relationship? Because you're you are you're you're very uh, particular and opinionated guy. No, but you're also just you're 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 a good agreeable guy. You don't uh -huh. you know you don't seem like you get mad very often. I really don't get mad very often. Like um, I and I don't think Emily or I really enjoy conflict very much. Um, so you know, obviously, like all other relationships, we have points where we you know have things we disagree on, um, but we get through it just just fine. Um, by by not shouting at each other, that's not something we're interested in doing at all. Um, most of the time, that don't, I don't think that have helps. Have you ever shouted? Like I can't picture it. Um, I can I can shout. I have done in the past. Uh, I've been I've been known to. I think on occasion. Really? Um, but uh, yeah, it doesn't happen super often. I would be very scared of you if you were shouting. You know when, when it's yeah. like when, <laughs> out of nowhere. When there's somebody who's who's like this very collected, you know, and seems just very even keel. Mm -hmm. That person getting upset is like I that, I don't want to be around the situation that got Back away them, that got them upset about something. I've definitely screwed up. You know, there's no doubt. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean that, I, that's the power you have, Charlie. Yeah, it is. It's like somebody it's gravitas. It's like the per, the person who you know doesn't speak a whole lot, but when they do say something, you listen. Mm -hmm. You know, you which kinda, I, I'm definitely that person. But you have that like emotionally. You have that. It's a superpower. Yeah, yeah, I I I know that if I ever got to a point where I was like shouting at something about something because I was so angry, that's I that's when I know that something is seriously wrong <laughs> for real. And, and everyone I, else does. And I should be very worried. Um one of the things that um one of the things I kind of see in your vlogs like when you're just being Charlie mm -hmm. is like we talked about your self-deprecating tone. But there's maybe a more specific way to describe it is you almost have an apologetic tone. <laughs> it's just you know there's this like okay guys I I got to tell you this thing and uh, I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna do it in a very in entertaining and endearing way that's gonna make you want to watch more of my videos. But I kind of seem like I'd rather not be doing this at at, at the moment. Is that is a kind of a specific way I could describe it. Hopefully that doesn't come across as an insult. It's 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 a oh, no, not at all. it's a it's this apologetic, self-deprecating tone. But does that is that is that true that there is this like okay, I'm kind of doing this because I know you want me to, and does that lead to your interest in doing the short film, which is a more uh, you know you're able to kind of create, like you said, it's a script and it's uh, it's a different kind of art form, and you're able to present yourself and your ideas in a different way is are you you gravitate towards short film because of that i think that when it comes to like doing the short films it's very much like um you know i'm a, a multifaceted i'm a human being right I'm, I'm complicated i have lots of thoughts and feelings and when it came to the the video blogging there's a there's a specific side of me that i can show through that like i very much want my video blogs to be pretty lighthearted and pretty you know fun um, and to be, you know, something that will will brighten someone's day. You know, I really want that to be the case. Um, and there are there are, you know, facets of my personality and things I think about that don't feel appropriate to talk about mm -hmm. in kind of like a more kind of like serious manner. Um, like my last, you know, short film I made was about death, and I yeah. wanted to talk about death in a very kind of like serious way and about mourning and um, the importance of mourning correctly. And I didn't really feel like I could just sit and talk about that in a video blog. It doesn't it doesn't feel right. Like I've actually made a video about death before on my YouTube channel, but it was still that kind of like kind of jovial, like here's a lighthearted look at it. And when I want to do something more serious, sometimes it feels more right to do it in kind of like a short form, like in a short film yeah. like format. Well, and I will, I will say um, we haven't we haven't talked about this specifically, but when you screened our brother, part, I was wondering if you'd bring this up. Yeah, part one at Buffer Fest. <laughs> we well, of course, first of all, we're backstage and we can't really see. We, we I could we could kind of get an idea of what it was about, and it mm -hmm. seemed very serious, but you can't really hear it because you're behind the speakers and everything. And just to give background, we are we are backstage because we are tasked to introduce the next act after your. Mm -hmm. Short film screens, and it was, it was, it was like something very lighthearted. Lighthearted, but your <laughs> right. your film was. I mean, how would you describe the short film? It's a pretty sad film, right? I mean, it's yeah. like the 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 thing I want 
people to get out of it is I want them to cry at it. Like, if they do that, then I'm like, great, it, the film did its job. Yes, um, I mission want to, accomplished. Yeah. Everyone in the audience is crying. Yeah, and also thinking about, like, mourning and the ways to do it properly and what healthy mourning is and what unhealthy mourning is and all of that sort of thing. Um, you know, letting your feelings out. Um, right. So it's it's a serious film. It, it, you know, it is. And uh, uh, that's not to say that I want all of my films in the future to be like that at all. Um, I just sort of wanted to try and see what it would be like if I tried to do just a straight up drama about right. a topic that I thought was going to be important to me. But is, so the, you, you... is the question, <clears throat> is, Red, is your question going to be, was Charlie, what was Charlie's response to what we did when we came out? Well, I, I, so, so for those of you who weren't, weren't at Bufferfest, so Link and I had to get up there after Charlie's film and then first of all we are almost always just trying to be funny <laughs> so that's what people expect of us and then we've got to introduce something that's kind of lighthearted. <laughs> so <laughs> backstage we came up with the idea and and then we go out on stage and Link, Link says first of all I mean the film's over and people I mean it's it worked what you tried to accomplish oh, worked yeah. oh yeah <laughs> you got everybody in this very emotional serious place put us in a tough spot man <laughs> and, then, and then Link says wow Charlie that was hilarious. <laughs> and then you know, the tension just broke in the room, and it was the biggest laugh of the night. That's the biggest laugh I've ever gotten. <laughs> but I was I was concerned. I was like, I didn't want it to seem heartless, or like I didn't we care. Never, we haven't talked about it since then. Oh, no, we did. I'm pretty sure we did, didn't we? We did? I'm pretty Maybe sure I, I saw you okay. briefly afterwards. At, at Bufferfest, yes, we did. I could tell that you were like worried about what you just done. Because, <laughs> you know, for like absolutely everyone else in that room, it's like exactly the thing you need to do. But for me specifically, you could be like... <laughs> <laughs> is he gonna? Is this okay that we right. did this? Um, and I laughed, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah. It really, it really was. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's you know with with all the different creative endeavors and things you've done over the journey, let's talk about Serial Time. Okay. Which is a huge project mm -hmm. that you know you've just launched, and I, I'm interested. You know, in in doing a similar format, I know that it's a level of putting yourself out there that mm -hmm. when you describe yourself as. Um, I mean, you said you were a control freak, mm -hmm. and you're 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 a calculating artist mm -hmm. in everything you do. That's been clear through a whole conversation. I, I'm curious, you know, what's your interaction with putting yourself out there in 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 that daily talk show format? Right, was that scary? Um, yeah, no, it was scary. Um, obviously, if people don't know about Serial Time, you might be quite familiar with the format because we've obviously we've taken direct inspiration from you guys with Good Mythical Morning. Um, and yeah, I mean, a big reason that we wanted to, that I wanted to do it is I wanted to find a way where I could, um, essentially be making a show that kind of played a bit more by the playbook, by the YouTube playbook that yeah. would be, cause you know, I, the, there's a big demand on YouTube to be uploading regularly, yeah. um, and to be kind of like making content that's like keeping people on the website and all of that stuff just didn't really fit with my own YouTube channel. And so I wanted to find a way where I could do that sort of thing where I would also be kind of like creatively fulfilled. Like a lot of YouTubers do that through doing daily vlogs, right? Mm -hmm. It's that same sort of thing where it's like long videos where you're really getting an insight into kind of like the kind of person that they are. Um, and I, that's the first thing I tried, right? Is I tried to do some, I did like a weekly vlog, one weekly vlog and really just didn't enjoy the like the process of doing it. And I don't know if you've ever tried that before, but it's like, I found that it really just disconnected me from my own life. It just really made the, like, I, I wasn't I wasn't living presently in the moment at all. Hmm. I didn't really remember the week that I had through because I was trying to figure out the best way to film it the whole time. So the, the lovely thing about the format for me is it's like, uh, it allows me to kind of be, like, I feel like on Serial Time, I'm a bit more of myself, like, than I am kind of like on my main YouTube channel, or at least it's a different facet of myself that people don't normally get to see because it is all happening in, in pretty much in one take. Mm -hmm. um, if I leave, if I stumble, then we tend to leave that stuff in. Um, and so it kind of like, it, it shows people like a, a, a slightly, I think maybe more authentic version of how I am. Like if you were to kind of like actually chat with me in person, it feels more like, like that. But that's the risk, right? It that is. You, that you had to calculate that you were willing to take. Yeah, and I, th I think that this is the, the tricky thing to get over, I think, uh, and it's an important thing to, to kind of like bear in mind I think for like all video bloggers is like people are really looking for like uh, authenticity, right? Mm -hmm. And we can we can say that like with video blogging, it's like it's it is it is very authentic a lot of the time. You know, you are seeing real people 
talking. Um, but also when it comes to video blogging, you know, you want to kind of like heavily edit it. You want to kind of like script it. You want to make it feel like, um, you know, a piece mm -hmm. that you're sharing with people. Um, and sometimes that means that you're not kind of like completely sharing the kind of person you actually are all the time. Because that is a really scary thing to do. But it's also, I think, what people really like to see. They want, they want to see like, you know, I think kind of like some of the most like interesting insights into people come from like fly on the wall documentaries where the person yeah. in the the subject of the film is does not have any control over how that film is going to come across right those are just like such interesting character pieces so it was important to me to find a way where i could like try and be more of myself and have a bit less control over like that sort of thing to, to show people like a more authentic version of who i actually am it might be scary for me but i think people i hope that people would be more interested in seeing that and what's been the reaction uh, from fans of seeing that that side of you presented in that way? Um, I, th I think they like it uh, for sure, um, and uh, yeah, they're having a lot of fun doing it. Um, I, I haven't really experienced quite as much like engagement before as I did with Serial Time, like mm -hmm. um, you know, and that's a the thing we try and focus a lot when we're making the show as well is to figure out ways that we can kind of include people in in the show as much as possible. And uh, as a result, a lot of people kind of like do seem to want like I, I feel like I get more fan art for serial time than I do for myself. Right. People just seem like really interested in, in getting involved. So that's right. a, a side of it that like, you know, I, I tend to try and measure like success generally on, on YouTube, not by like views, but by like engagement and not by just like how many likes or comments, but like um, the kind of engagement that is hard to measure, like people doing fan art or people kind of like creating yeah. stuff based on things that you've made or like wanting to go to your shows, like those kind of like um, more abstract kind of things mm -hmm. that if I, if I see that, then I'm like, okay, this means that people are really kind of like interested in the thing. And that makes right. me feel better than, you know, I prefer to have like a thousand people who just like really, really care about what I'm doing than like a million people just kind of like passively watch a video. Of right. Mine. Well, there is a reward for putting yourself out there, you know, so mm -hmm. uh, we wish you the best in that. And we appreciate you, you putting yourself out there here, man. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, best. yeah, our uh, friendship goes way back. So <laughs> it, it's cool to finally sit down and, and get the full story. So yeah. yeah. Thanks nice. for hanging story. out, man. Thank you for having me. It's been lovely. Yeah. Perfectly serviceable? Uh, better. Better than perfectly <laughs> okay. serviceable. Great. And there you have it, our ear biscuit with Charlie McDonald. Charlie is so cool like. True statement. Yes, he is so cool like what? Like this cool, cool. Like things that cool, are cool. Like cool. Tweet at Charlie. Let him know uh, what you think about our conversation. Hashtag Ear Biscuits. His Twitter handle is cool like C double O L. Is there another L than an I K E? I think there's a double L right in there. Yeah, that's two L's. C double O. Like cool and like. Yeah. It's not cool like, it's cool and like. Yeah, he actually got that. C double O, double L. Single I, single K, single E. <laughs> you don't have to say that's the single I, that's typically. That's how I remember it. Um, like we said when we were talking to Charlie, uh, I think we mentioned this a couple of times, uh, he has this thoughtfulness to the way he approaches things and this self-deprecating humor and approach to things that I think is, as he demonstrated even in our conversation today, it's one of the things that makes him a likable guy. He's easy to like because he's good at what he does. He's entertaining at the stuff that he when he when he creates something to entertain you, it actually entertains you. But you <laughs> as get, opposed to what? Well, I mean, you're talking about general YouTube stuff. No, I'm just saying that you know he's good at what he does. Okay. Period. But that doesn't being good at what you do doesn't make you likable. If you're good at what you do, but you have he has this. He kind of second guess him, guesses himself. Like he doesn't think a whole lot of himself and that is an attractive quality. I think that's why he's built, one of the reasons he built a fan base that wants to connect with him personally because he just doesn't seem like a guy who's full of himself. I'm not saying that like most you, YouTubers are full of themselves. Just every once in a while you talk to somebody who just seems like this person really is humble. He wouldn't describe himself in that way because if you're really humble, you shouldn't call yourself humble. Oh, yeah, you can't be prideful about being humble. But he's 22. truly, uh, as they would say in the old South, an humble without the age guy. Have you ever heard anyone actually say humble? Uh, my grandmother-in-law. Really? Says humble. Yep. Really? She's from the old South, man. She still calls it the war of Northern aggression. Oh gosh. 
I mean, this is Old South. Hmm. Well, let's. We should have asked Charlie about that. I'm sure he'd have lots of good thoughts. Yeah, I mean, he he really he holds himself in such a way that I know that anything he says, he's 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 thought through it. Right. You know, he kind of has that gravitas about him, which is interesting for uh, a comedic voice. Maybe maybe we could that. learn something from that, Link. Hey, it's an, but don't you think it's an interesting combination of like a. I mean, self-deprecating is a form of humor, but there's but there's something else that's like this this thoughtful gravitas that I will call it, which is not it's, it's not common in in, metered. in the world of comedy. Metered, self-metered. Okay, is that is that a word? Did I make I'll that up? That. Charlie, let like us he's know. A, he's a gas meter. If you've ever been described as metered, I don't even know what it means, but I'm gonna Charlie measured. Is, Charlie is so metered like. <laughs> Charlie is so measured. I'm, that's gonna be his like. His iPhone channel, hmm, which okay. people remember when people used we to. We should do that. reserve that for him. All right, guys, um, we're actually opening a new shop where we uh, start to speculatively um, reserve YouTube channels for iPhone vlog accounts for people who are so late to the game they're never going to do that. Okay, we never we, we we tried that for a little bit. That's what our second channel started off as. I'm digressing. Yeah, and you guys you are, should regress right back. The, the to music this. is playing me out of my own ear biscuit. And How I'm gonna, rude! I'm going to Kevin cut an egress right through to the end of this thing. How many egress words can we come up with? As you guys are exiting through the outro. We will. No, it has to be have grass in it. Oh, you digress, you regress. You the pro, I'm going to make some progress. You through my egress to the end, but I digress. And all you egrets should uh, leave a review on iTunes, and uh, that's helpful for us. Also, comment on SoundCloud. <laughs> <laughs> it's SoundCloud. I said Clown Cloud, and I don't know. I'm going to reserve. Please that. join us next month at Clown Cloud. <laughs> <laughs> desperate times call for oh, being in desperate places. Let's just end this. Yeah.